You are listening to the Grace Covenant Cornelius Podcast. We're great to have you out in worship with us this morning. Welcome as well to all the folks joining us, Grace Online, wherever you would be in the state, uh, around our nation. Great to have you connecting in with us <clears throat> as we have the privilege of declaring the greatness of God. Amen. You know, it is a privilege, right? Man, we are so blessed, the goodness of God in our lives. It's fun to be able to come and sing about it and uh, tell the story. Well, if it's your first time here at Grace Covenant, let us expend, extend this a welcome to you this morning. We are honored to have you as our guest. We would love to connect with you. The quickest and best way to make that happen is you can text the word guest. Take your phone, text the word guest to 704-486-9664. Beyond that, we would invite you to stop my guest central right out the back of the sanctuary down the hall. We have uh, a room called Guest Central where we would love to meet you, hear your story. We have a gift for you, so please stop by Guest Central before you head off of the campus this morning. Well, as you look to your worship guide this morning, all kinds of things happening in the life of Grace Covenant. Um, please check those out. Uh, also, in the worship guide, you're going to find a little card. Our sportsman dinner is coming up uh, on September the 28th. So today is the first day that we're opening the sales, and it goes quick. I mean, like this, all of the tables are going. This year, we're going to be able to serve 900 men. Pretty awesome. We have a great speaker, Tony Bowden, is going to come. And this is how it works. It's really simple, men. We are, like, setting the table for you. Uh, We're preparing this wonderful meal of all this wild game. You get to invite your friends. So you buy a table and then you invite all of your friends to come and enjoy a meal. And in that, they're going to hear a presentation of the gospel in really a fun setting. This is one of the fun events that we do every year. And pretty much every year we see somewhere between 30 to 60 men come to know Christ as their Savior because you invite your friends. Uh, So... You can check that out. You can go online, buy a table. There's single tickets, but we encourage you, again, leverage this event. Like, this is what I know about men. Men like to eat, right? Let's start there. And it's wild game, and we're going to give away a lot of stuff, and it's just going to be fun. So it's an easy invite. Uh, so buy a table. Also, if, if you have a company and you say, hey, I'd like to s- help sponsor this event, uh, there's information there as well in the worship guide. You can check that out. Also, I wanted to mention there's another opportunity for us to do some ministry here in our community. It's called the Threads of Faith Clothing Drive in our partnership with the Neighborhood Care Center. As children are getting ready to head back to school, um, you know, one of the things that happens with our children and our students is they grow, Right. Like the clothes that fit them two months ago no longer fits, right? The shoes no longer fit. Well, it's a great way that we can bless individuals right here in our community by providing clothes as children are on their way back to school. So the Neighborhood Care Center is pulling this event off, and we're partnering with them, getting children ready to head back to school. So the information's there in the worship guide as to how you can be a part of, of bringing either new or gently used items so that we can bless children as they're heading back to school. Also, a couple points of celebration. Last week, we had our all-star sports camp for three-year-old up through, um, or up, yeah, up through second grade. Uh, every day, we had about 320 children here. Uh, it was a fun week. I think kids coming on the campus, they were all excited. We had a blast. So I want to share just a, a short video with you of what happened this past week here on our campus. 
We have had an amazing week here at the Cornelius campus at our first week of All-Star Camp. We have had over 325 kids, three years old up through second grade, come and participate. These kids have had a blast out at the bounce houses, playing games in the gym, doing crafts in the classroom, having amazing discussions about our Bible story, and singing and worshiping Jesus. All week, they have been learning about joy. We have been working towards giving an offering towards Hope House this week. And thanks to our over 100 volunteers that came out. They were an amazing support system, and all of our kids and families have had a great week. Thank you for all of your prayers and the way that you have supported Grace Kids. And on top of all of that, we had 11 children who accepted Christ as their Savior this past week. So coming up this week, we have our All-Star Sports Camp for third through fifth grade. We have about 250 children that will be here for four days on the campus. And so in just a moment, we'll be praying about that and for our All-Star Sports Camp, the second week of it for our older children. But there's one other point of celebration I want to share with you really quick. Last Sunday, we prayed for the crisis that's playing out in the country of Myanmar uh, with the political unrest and all that's happening with that, with the COVID crisis. If you'll remember, um, the president of Foursquare Myanmar, uh, Pastor Ma, critical condition. Um, we prayed, gave an opportunity for you to uh, give and respond. And I just want to celebrate with you. I think we have some pictures as a result of your generosity. So we had committed $5,000 from our relief fund. And I just kind of threw it out to say, hey, if you'd like to be a part of this, you can get this. Over 14000 additional dollars was given. This week, we sent $20,000 to the country of Myanmar. And one of the big issues is getting oxygen. There's a whole black market. It's it's beyond what we can even understand, but they were able to leverage dollars and get a whole truckload. Uh, that's the oxygen tanks that you see in the top right, obviously food, water in the refugee camps. And uh, Pastor Ma has miraculously recovered, complete turnaround in that situation. So thank you. Thank you for your listen. Prayer works. And generosity, your generosity is amazing. I continue to be so amazed by the generosity of this church family. As we present needs, you step up and, and you give. And your giving is certainly making a difference in the country of Myanmar. So thank you for your ongoing, ongoing financial partnership and your generosity that honors God and is making a difference in people's lives. Well, this morning as we pray for our offering, the offering boxes are in the back. You can give online. We want to pray as well for this week, the four days before us, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, for our All-Star Sports Camp. So would you pray with me this morning? Lord, we thank you today for, God, your goodness, your kindness, your faithfulness, God, for your provision for our lives in so many ways, God. So many ways we're blessed. And so, Lord, we just began by saying thanks this morning. Lord, we bring uh, our offering, our tithe today, God, not because we have to, Lord. It's simply this. We want to honor you as you've blessed us. Lord, out of that, 
We, we worship you as we give today. And Lord, as we think of this week that's before us, four days of high energy excitement, uh, Lord, we're, we're going to have an opportunity to love on children and, and Lord, disciple children. Lord, we just ask, Lord, for this coming week that you would bless our volunteers, anoint them. Lord, we pray that every child that comes this week, all 250, Lord, would be encountered by you in a miraculous way. And Lord, just that there would be some defining moments that would happen this week in the lives of our children. Lord, uh, again, we're grateful and we're blessed and we identify you as the source today. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, grab your sermon notes there if you would. You can follow along this morning. It is an interesting story. I was reading a book recently and I came across this story, interesting story of an event that happened on November the 13th, 1946. So we're going back about 75 years. There was a plane that took off from the Schenectady County Airport with a rather unique payload. And here was the payload. It was six pounds of dry ice. And its mission was this, to seed the clouds with solidified carbon dioxide in hopes of creating enough condensation to cause precipitation. Because it's snow. Over many months prior to this flight, prior to the day, a chemist by the name of Vincent Schaefer had been conducting experiments at a General Electric Research Center. He was using a GE freezer chilled to sub-zero temperatures, and he was creating clouds, and then he would use his, uh, creating clouds using his breath, and then he would seed those clouds with different chemical substances, trying to create precipitation. After many failed attempts on a hot July day, Schaefer added some dry ice into his freezer, and it was that dry ice that created this chemical reaction, and it catalyzed actually snow crystals. A few months later, it was time for a field test, actually to take this out of the freezer and into the environment to see if this discovery would work. With excitement and in anticipation, Schaefer, Schaefer loaded some dry ice in his single propeller plane and he took off from the local airport. And he actually flew his plane into a cloud and he dumped the dry ice. And eyewitnesses on the ground said that the cloud seemed to explode with snowfall. The snowfall was so sig- significant that it was visible for 40 miles. So it was not supposed to be snowing, but it was snowing because the clouds had been seeded. Think about that. The clouds had been seeded. And recently, as I was reflecting on this story, I had a thought. And here's my thought. And, and the whole message today is built around this thought. Is it possible for you and I to seed the clouds? Think with me about that. Think about the potential of that. As this scientist, Professor Schaefer, seeded the clouds, and as a result, there was this um, uncommon snowfall, Is it possible for you and I, thinking about our faith life, is it possible for us to seed the clouds? Are there actions we can proactively take that seed the clouds for what God might want to do in our lives and through our our lives? You know, the science of seeding the clouds may be like a modern day marvel, but the idea is actually as old as the prophet Elijah. If you recall the story in scripture after a famine that lasted three and a half years, Elijah seeded the clouds with a brave prayer. The scripture says that Elijah climbed to the top of Mount Carmel, bowed low to the ground and prayed with his face between his knees. He seeded the clouds with a bold prayer and rain came bringing an end to the drought that had ravaged the land. 
And I think that's one, one biblical illustration of what happens when we see the clouds. Of what happens when we take our actions and we partner them with faith in God. And when we do that, there's absolutely no limit as to what God could do or might do. I think oftentimes, oftentimes we, we think we find ourselves waiting on God. But could it be that God's waiting on us to see the clouds? Think about that. Oftentimes we think we're waiting on God to make something happen. Could it be that God's waiting on you to see the clouds for what he might want to do in and through your life? See, I believe that we can take proactive measures today that will produce desired outcomes tomorrow. I can take actions today, produce outcomes tomorrow. Simply put, so today, what you want to see tomorrow. Seeding the clouds. So today what you want to see tomorrow. Identify the daily rituals that have the highest return on investment and the daily habits that are, are the high leverage points and then simply prioritize them in your life. So you can see the clouds with something as simple as a smile. You can shift the atmosphere with your attitude. How many of you have noticed that in your home, right? The shifting of the atmosphere. You can alter the trajectory of someone's life with a small act of kindness. You can seed the clouds with, with every sacrifice you make, with every action you take, with every risk you embrace. In this process, what are you doing? You're sowing seed. I want you to listen to what Galatians chapter 6, verse 7 and 8 says. It's on the screen. Notice the scripture says, do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. Notice, a man or a woman reaps what they sow. The one who sows to please the sinful nature, from that nature will reap destruction. The one who sows to please the Spirit, from the Spirit will reap eternal life. And then in the book of Ecclesiastes, the scripture says this. It says, sow your seed in the morning, and at evening, let your, let, in the evening, let not your hands be idle. Sow your seed in the morning. Solomon, who wrote Ecclesiastes, doesn't specify whether we should sow seed in the ground or seed in the clouds, but it's the same difference. You know, if, you, if you've, got to, the, you've got to sow the seed of faith, the seed of love, the seed of obedience, and as you sow the seed, you reap the harvest. It's really simple. This principle of, of sowing and reaping. You know, every spring, because I love to work in the dirt, every spring I plant a garden. Every spring I go out and I prepare the dirt and I have all these different seed that I, I sow in the garden. There's tomato seed, there's cucumber seed, there's squash seed, there's pepper seed. I sow the seed in expectation of what? A harvest, right? I don't sow the seed because I, I don't have anything else to do. No, there, there's, there's kind of a plan here. I sow the seed because I'm expecting the harvest. So because I sow the seed in the spring right now, as we are in early summer, I'm reaping the harvest, literally bucketfuls. Matter of fact, I brought a bucketful in this morning of different vegetables. I planted the seed, and now I'm reaping the harvest. And I believe it's the same principle that's true today in our faith lives. As we sow the seed, what? Then we, we experience the harvest. So, so how can we seed the clouds? How can we proactively live to present the opportunity for a better tomorrow? Now, now, let me be clear. In, in this process today, um, I, I'm, not, I'm not telling you how you can man, manipulate God to get what you want. I'm not telling you if you do A and B, you're always going to get C. 
Okay. However, there is this principle of sowing and reaping that's true for our lives. We have to sow the seed to shape the life that we want to live. Sow the seed to shape the experience that we want to have. So I want to share with you this morning really quick four ways, four ways that I believe you and I can seed the clouds. Four ways that you, that you and I can seed the clouds to prepare the way for what God would want to do in and through our lives. Because I, I, what I'm convinced of today is that oftentimes we don't experience what we want to experience because we have not seeded the clouds. Are you with me? So what? We have a responsibility in the process. And the responsibility is to seed the clouds. So how can we seed the clouds? There's probably a lot of different ways you can seed the clouds. But for the sake of time this morning, I want to give you four ways that I think you can proactively seed the clouds. Making way for what God would want to do in your life. Now here's the first way that we can seed the cloud. The first seed is the seed of humility. Humility, humility catalyzes God's favor. Catalyzes God's favor. Matter of fact, listen to how the scripture reads. Matter of fact, it's on the screen. So why don't you join me this morning? Let's read this together. James chapter 4, verse 6. It's on the screen. So let's go. You ready? But he gives much more grace. That is why scripture says God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. Who does he give grace to? Who does he give his favor to? The humble. It's this concept, it's this, it's this seed of humility that catalyzes God's favor. And then there's a scripture in Isaiah 57, verse 15. Listen to how this reads. For this is what the high and lofty one says. He who lives forever, whose name is holy. I live in a high and holy place, but also with him who is contrite and lowly, low in spirit. Who God says, I live in this high and lofty place. But I also reside with the one who's humble. I mean, I think the modern paraphrase of Isaiah 57, 15 would read something like this. God hangs out with the humble. Really simple. Who does God hang out with? With the humble. I mean, think about this. Humility captures the gaze of the sovereign God. That makes me tremble. Just a thing about what, what captures, what draws his attention. In other words, there's something that you and I can do, proactively do, that positions us to draw the favor of God, to draw the grace of God. Obviously, God sees everything and God knows everything. But the scripture specifically says that it's humility. It's the seed of humility. As we seed the clouds with humility, it brings this. It brings God's favor to our lives. So what is humility? Humility is living dependent on God and out of that dependence, freely serving others. Really simple. It's a choice that you make. It's an attitude that you choose. It's a quality that you say, I'm going to develop that quality in my life. Because see, there's a choice you can make here, right? You can, you can choose pride or you can choose humility, right? Either one's a choice. So what are you going to develop in your life? It's this humility that, that draws the favor of God, that attracts the attention of God. So humility is not thinking less of yourself, but it's thinking of yourself less as you seek to serve others. And again, it's, it's this concept of living in dependence on God. Interesting, some years ago, 
Jim Collins wrote a book. It's a business book called Good to Great. How many of you ever read the business book Good to Great? It's really a great read. In this book, Mr. Collins and his researchers took five years and they studied 11 companies, 11 organizations that went from good to great and they maintained greatness over a period of time. So it was not like just a shot up. No, they, they maintained this, ste- this steady course. So they took these 11 companies and said, what is it about these 11 companies that took them from being good to great? And they identified five characteristics in each of these companies, five characteristics that each company had in common. One of the five was that each of these companies had what, he, what they identified as a level five CEO. Level five CEO. And then they further broke this down and said, well, what characteristics do each of these level five CEOs have? First thing they identified is, is self-will. In other words, a determination. You would expect that, right? Uh, someone leading these large companies. In other words, they had this self-will. They were going to make it happen. They were determined in everything they set out to. So they, ex- they kind of expected to find that. But what surprised them is the second characteristic they found in these level five CEOs. And it was this characteristic of humility. In other words... Rather than making it about themselves, what they discovered is that these these leaders were always promoting others. They, they didn't want the story to be told about them. They were always telling the story of others. Matter of fact, this is what Colin wrote in his book. He says they never aspired to be put on a pedestal or become unreachable unreachable icons. They were seemingly ordinary people quietly producing extraordinary results. But they possessed this quality of, of humility. Well, what's true in the business world is also true in God's kingdom. What God brings his favor, not to the prideful, but the humble. So, so through choosing humility or seeding the clouds with humility, what we're positioning, we're positioning our lives to live in God's favor. So how do we seed the clouds? I think the first way we seed the clouds is say, is through by saying, Hey, I'm going to, I'm going to develop this quality of humility in my life. Here's a second way I think you can see the clouds, and it's through choosing to live generous. Generosity activates reciprocity. Generosity activates. It releases what this, this, uh, this flow, if you can think of it like that, in your life. Matter of fact, let's read what Jesus had to say about this whole concept of generosity. In the Gospel of Luke, chapter 6, verse 38, It's on the screen, so let's read this one together. Give, and it will be given to you. A good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over will be poured into your lap. For with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Give. Give. As we give, what do we do? We're seeding the clouds. Give, and it will be, it will be given back to you. The Apostle Paul also speaks of this principle in 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 6. Maybe it's not on the screen. It says this, remember this, whoever sows sparingly will reap sparingly. Sow sparingly and we reap sparingly. Whoever sows generously will reap generously. And there's... There's at least three things you need to remember in relation to sowing when it comes to generosity. The, the first is, is that you reap in relation to how you sow, right? 
I mean, Paul says here, if you, if you sow sparingly, you're going to reap in relation to how you sow, you're going to reap sparingly. So generously, you're going to reap generously. The second thing you need to understand about sowing is that you reap in multiplication of what you sow, right? You don't sow like one tomato seed to get one tomato, right? You sow one tomato seed to get a multitude of tomatoes that have a multitude of seeds within the tomatoes. So you, you reap in multiplication of what you sow. Here's the third thing you need to remember about this reaping and sowing as it relates to generosity. You, you, you reap in a different season in which you sow. In other words, I sow in the spring to reap in the summer. Different season. But this principle holds true. The key, the key is, the, is to sow the seed of generosity, to seed the clouds by living generously. You know, I, I think Grace Covenant, if I can use our own church family, I think Grace Covenant is a, is a living example of seeding the clouds through generosity. Listen, we have been greatly blessed by God as a church family. I mean, just look at all that God's blessed us with and all that we get to enjoy. And out of that, how we get to bless others. We've been greatly blessed. And let me tell you why I've been, I believe we've been greatly blessed. We made a decision as a church family from the leadership down that we were going to live generously. But that on a consistent basis, we were going to seed the clouds. Some of you heard this story, so I apologize for the redundancy. Some have not heard this story, so let me quickly tell it. As I was returning from West Texas, the wilderness coming back to the promised land, I remember asking God this question because I knew there was a building. There was a building that needed to be built. In other words, we needed to get from Main Street to this location. And I knew nothing about building buildings, and I absolutely knew nothing about raising money. And I knew it was going to take money to build a building, like lots of money, more money than what I could even understand. We're talking millions. How are we going to get millions? And I was having this conversation with God literally as I was driving the U-Haul truck down Interstate 40. God and I were having this conversation, and, and it, the, it's not an audible voice, but the impression in my spirit was so clear. This is what God said to me on Interstate 40. If you sow the seed, I'll bring the harvest. You sow the seed, I'll bring the harvest. And I made a determination in 1995 as I returned to this role as the lead pastor of Grace Covenants. We were going to be generous as a congregation. We were going to look for opportunities to sow seed, to seed the clouds. And as we have... God has blessed us so abundantly. God has so poured into our church family. I mean, this recent illustration of what happened from last week when I talked about this crisis in Myanmar that we were going to give $5,000. I said, hey, if you want to be a part of this, you can give. And an additional $14,000 was given. We sent $20,000 out just this week. Seeding the clouds. And we were, giving, we were giving because there was a crisis, there was a need. But in that process, what were we, what were we doing? We were, we were seeding the clouds as we were choosing generosity. See, as we, as we live generously with what God's blessed us with, this is what happens. It opens the way for God to bless us in greater ways so that we can be a blessing in greater ways. See, you heard me say this so many times, but let me say it again because I, I don't think I can ever say this enough. God doesn't bless you just so you can have more. God doesn't bless you just so that you can gather more. God blesses you so that you can bless others. 
In that same chapter, 2 Corinthians chapter 9, where Paul says, if you sow sparingly, you're going to reap sparingly. If you sow generously, you're going to reap generously. If you look on down to verse 11, Paul writes that, Paul writes this. He says, God's going to make you rich in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion. God brings his goodness to you so that he can get his goodness through you. Are you with me? But generosity, generosity seeds the clouds for God to bring greater in our eyes. In I grew up in church, so I, I've always heard this statement, uh, even from a young child, um, you can't outgive God. And I found that to be true. You, you can't outgive God. We shovel out and he shovels in. He's just got a bigger shovel, right? The goodness of God. So how do we see the clouds? We see the clouds through humility. I think we, we see the clouds through, through generosity. And then it opens the way for God to pour into our lives so he can pour through our lives. Here's the third way I believe we can see the clouds. And it's through obedience. Obedience sets the stage for unborn tomorrows. I specifically chose that term, unborn tomorrows, because this is what I know. Every one of us in the room is going to have a tomorrow. But here's the question I have for you today. Are you going to experience the tomorrow that God has for you? Are you going to experience the potential of what God has for you? See, I believe it's obedience that seeds the clouds for God to work in and through our lives. If we choose to align our lives to God's word, God's will, and God's way, we're seeding the clouds. We're, we're setting ourselves up for God to work in and through our lives in ways that we could never imagine. In 1 Samuel chapter 15, verse 22, I, I want you to listen to how God views Obedience, your obedience, my obedience. Scripture says, does the Lord delight in burnt offerings as much as in obeying the voice of the Lord? To obey is better than sacrifice, and to heed is better than the fat of rams. Then God honors obedience, and God responds to our obedience. That's why obedience is a great way to see the clouds, to open our lives in a greater way to God's work. It was Eugene Peterson who made this statement. It's long obedience in the same direction that positions us to see what only God can do in our lives. Long obedience in the same direction. And we see this throughout Scripture, that obedience seeds the clouds for unborn tomorrows. Let me give you three quick illustrations. You can check these out deeper. In Genesis chapter 12, God says to Abraham, Abraham, I want you to leave your home, your family, and everything that you know, and I want you to go to a place that you know nothing about. And if you do that, I'm going to bless you and make you a great nation. And if you read that scripture in Genesis 12, Abraham packed up what he had, and he left, going to a place that he did not know. And God did bless him. He became the father of many nations and became the one through which redemption has come for mankind. What unborn tomorrows. His obedience opened the way. His obedience seeded the cloud for the unborn tomorrow, the future that God had for him. A, a second illustration would be Joshua chapter 3. The children of Israel are on the, on the edge of the promised land. The promised land is before them. They're under the leadership of Joshua. However, there's an obstacle, and the obstacle is the Jordan River, which is at flood stage. 
And God said something quite interesting to Joshua. He says, tell the priest to take the Ark and the Covenant and go stand in the water. Water's at flood stage. Go stand in the water. He didn't say go stand by the water. He said go get in the water. If you read the story in Joshua 3, as the priest took the Ark of the Covenant and they stepped into the water, the, the Jordan River parted and it opened way for the children of Israel to step into an unborn tomorrow, to step into the future that God had for them. It was obedience that opened the way. Here's one last illustration. Luke 17, there's a story of 10 men who were desperate. Let me tell you why they were desperate. They had leprosy. And because of their leprosy, they were isolated. They were separated from society. Not only that, the future they had to look forward to was death. Because if you had leprosy, it meant that sooner or later you were going to die. And it was a painful process. So they had no future. Jesus comes along. The scripture says they cried out to Jesus, Master, have pity on us. Have mercy on us. And listen to what Jesus said. Go to the priest. Go, go show yourself to the priest. And what's interesting, again, I encourage you to check this out. Luke 17, the scripture says, as they were on their way, as they were on their way, they were healed. In other words, as they responded in obedience, it was their obedience that seeded the cloud for an unborn future, an unborn tomorrow. Because these lepers, listen, they had no future. They had no tomorrow. And all of a sudden, their lives were miraculously changed. Why? Because it was the obedience. As they went. They experienced the miraculous. As they went, they were healed. Listen, as we simply obey, following God's word and heeding the direction of the Holy Spirit, this is what we're doing. We're seeding the clouds. Your obedience, my obedience is what? It's seeding the clouds as to what God would want to do in and through our lives. Here's a final way that we can seed the clouds, and it's through prayer. Through prayer. Through communicating with God. Through connecting with God. Prayer that is passionate and persistent, opens the way for the miraculous. It seeds the way for the miraculous. In Matthew chapter 7, verse 7, Jesus said these words. It's on the screen. Let's read this together. Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks, receives. He who seeks, finds. And to him who knocks, the door will be opened. Interesting, the Greek structure here, and the tense of these verbs is a continuous action. It speaks of a continuous asking. So actually, this scripture reads like this. Ask and keep on asking. Seek, and keep on seeking. Knock, and keep on knocking. And the scripture in James 4, 2 says this, you have not because you ask not. Maybe we could say it like this, you have not because you've not seeded the clouds. Think about that. You have not because you've not seeded the clouds through prayer. You know, one of the greatest tragedies in life is that prayers go unanswered because they go unasked. It's in 100% of the prayers you don't pray won't be answered. Prayers go unanswered because they go, they go unasked. But as we pray, we're inviting God into our lives and into our situations to do only what he can do, the miraculous. You know, it's been said that prayer is the way that we write history before it happens. It's the difference between letting things happen and partnering with God to see things happen. Let me... 
Let me double back to the prophet Elijah one more time. I referenced this story as I began this morning. But let me give you a little more to the story. Due to the sin in the nation of Israel, God says there's going to be a drought. And there was a drought for three and a half years. There was this idolatry. There was this rebellion that was happening in the nation of Israel. And in the context of this story, as recorded in 1 Kings chapter 17 and chapter 18, Elijah challenges the prophets of Baal. He calls down fire from heaven. Now there's been a drought for three and a half years. Elijah prays up. He prays up a rainstorm. I mean, we see this miraculous that, that, that's, that's happening. Now, what's interesting, though, in this story is that the first time Elijah prayed, it, it, it didn't rain. There was no visible evidence of God answering his prayer. And that's where most of us give up. But Elijah, Elijah doubled down. Listen to how his story reads in Scripture. Elijah said to his servant, go up and look toward the sea. And he went up and looked, and there was nothing. There's nothing there, he said. Seven times Elijah said, go back. And the seventh time, not the sixth time, not the fifth time, not the fourth time, but the seventh time the servant reported, a cloud as small as a man's hand is rising from the sea. So Elijah said to his servant, go tell King Ahab that rain is on the way. Three and a half years of drought was ended with rain. Why? Because Elijah seeded the clouds with prayer. With a persistent prayer that opened the way for the miracle of rain. He partnered with God through prayer to experience only what God could do. Listen, friend, don't underestimate. Don't underestimate the power of a single seed, a single prayer. As you partner with God through prayer, that single seed has the power to change anything, to change everything. Listen, don't worry about the outcome. Focus on the, on the input. We plant and we water, but God gives the increase. Like Elijah, you have to pray through to break through. So you can't wish upon a star. Rather, you have to seed the clouds with a, with a bold, faithful prayer. And as you do, who knows what God might do and God can do. And I challenge you. I challenge you today. Listen, live every day seeding the clouds. Ever since I read this book and this thought was kind of dropped into my mind, I live my life every day with this intentionality. I'm going to seed the clouds today. Matter of fact, what if our mantra at Grace Covenant was this? We're going to seed the clouds. Listen, we believe God wants to do something great, right? Listen, I believe that for my life. I believe that for your life. I believe that for my family. I believe that for your family. I believe that for our Grace Covenant family. I, I believe that God wants to do more in our lives. Matter of fact, I live every day with this conviction. This conviction drives me that God is good and he wants to bring his goodness to your address. Really simple. God is good, and he wants to bring his goodness where to your address. My question to you, though, is this. Are you seeding the clouds? Are you proactively taking the steps that you can take to prepare the way for what God might want to do? I think four simple ways that we can, we can seed the cloud is through humility, through generosity, through obedience, through prayer. And in that, we're seeding the clouds as to what God might want to bring forth, not only in your life, but through your life. As we conclude this morning, I want you to listen to the words of this song that the worship team is going to sing. The title of the song is this, There's a Cloud. For more information on Grace Covenant Church, our service times, ministry opportunities, directions, and more, 
visit us at gracecovenant.org.